0: It up to really put it down. Mitchell three. Yes! The rookie cup alive!
1: Hello everybody and welcome to Hashtag Jazz. My name is Jason Walker. I am Trey Sanders. And we are here with a special. I don't it's not really special because we do this every week, but We're here to talk a lot about the trade deadline. We're just going to try and go over everything uh, as much as we can. It's still about a week and a half away, but this is about the season where things are going to get really heated up. The pressure's on. Teams are really trying to to make moves. And a lot of stuff has happened in the past couple of days and even in the past few hours uh, ahead of us recording this. So we're going to get to talk about how that affects the Jazz uh, because there are a couple of things that have really changed uh, the situation for the Jazz because earlier we've been thinking that the Jazz are just going to sell, sell at the deadline, not go for the playoffs at all. But but recent events have really cleared the way for a potential uh, a Jazz playoff run.
0: Yeah, I I um I just want to start by saying that every episode is special, um, <laughs> but. <laughs> I also like. This is crazy to think that even though we're just past the halfway point of the season, we're only five games out of the eighth seed for the playoffs. That's six games out if you count Portland and New Orleans sitting in six and seven.
1: Yeah, so it's yeah, it is insane. And just when you look at how things have happened, like just just barely. Uh, obviously, by the time everyone listening to this you'll already have known that Blake Griffin is no longer on the Clippers, which is a very weird thing to think about just because that's just been a constant. Blake Griffin's always on the Clippers. Sure. But now he's going to be on the Pistons. But that affects the Jazz because the, the Clippers are they're four games ahead of the Jazz. There's a bit of a gap between the Jazz and the first nine seeds. Then the Nuggets, who are only five games back of – um, they're about to go through a ridiculous schedule, uh, kind of like what the Jazz went through in December. Not quite as bad, but still really, really bad. They've only got a handful of games that you would consider maybe winnable. I'm sure they'll win some of those games just because it's basketball. But then obviously the Pelicans, DeMarcus Cousin just went down for the entire season. So you're looking at three teams ahead of the Jazz that, if luck were to roll the Jazz's way, which historically it hasn't, but if luck were to go Utah's way they would suddenly end up in probably the 8th seed maybe even as high as the 7th seed that's perhaps a bit of a pipe dream but still the, the playoffs are suddenly within reach after i mean i mean last week the playoffs were just no you we weren't going to make it now suddenly it's a it's a legitimate possibility and i mean just just I mean, Trey. What do you, what have you made of the last, last week or so, with all this craziness? Well,
0: to to start with the Pelicans, um, the Pelicans have always had a good team. Um, whether their their um, their st- or their standings have been indicative of that is really irrelevant. They've had a really good team, and when they got to Marcus Cousins, it was more of a feeling out process between him and Anthony Davis to see how those two would click. It started picking up uh, and getting smoother for them at the end of the year last year. Um, but, I mean, they're sitting at 27 and 22 for the year. Um, boogie's out. That I'm not like, yeah, that sucks. You got an Achilles injury, but nobody likes you. Um, and Anthony Davis is a very, very, very good player. I think that for them, it's just going to be really weathering the storm, um, winning the games where they can, and competing in the ones that they you know is a big obstacle to climb um but with the with the la clippers thing um losing blake griffin um in a way i feel like it's been a long time coming because blake griffin is kind of like that lebron james type personality where he's a drama queen and he likes to complain about shit and then you know, the next day he's really good and whatever. Um, But they did get um, Avery Bradley and who else? I can't even remember his name.
1: Yeah, I I didn't remember all the the pieces. I I briefly saw it. Um, I know there's some second-round picks and things thrown in there. Um, Yeah,
0: and and on top of that, I mean, they're still looking to deal Lou Williams and DeAndre Jordan. I mean – It's weird seeing the statement that we want to remain competitive and make a push for the playoffs. I'm sorry, I don't see that happening. You guys made this trade before the trade deadline, sure, but that, to me, is every indication that this is not going to work out. Avery Bradley, as good of a player as he is, he's not going to be able to fit into that system overnight. Lou Williams is going to take up even more of a scoring role for that team. DeAndre Jordan is, you know... As uh, impactful of a player as he is, I don't see him really looking or playing like he cares about the Clippers anymore because DeAndre is just in the same, is cut from the same cloth as uh, Blake Griffin. He's an emotional person and he's going to hold that chip on his shoulder while he's with the team and well after he's away from the team.
1: Yeah, and, and I think it's just really kind of the coach speak or general manager speak where to say they're going to remain competitive because obviously, like I said, they're not. And if they're <laughs> they're shopping DeAndre Jordan, I think they this might increase the chances of DeAndre Jordan leaving. I I would say it does, um, but obviously, I I don't know everything because obviously there's there's still suitors for DeAndre Jordan. You're looking at the Cavaliers, things like that, and. I mean, again, this would, again, impact the Jazz even more. If DeAndre Jordan leaves, then basically the Clippers are a lottery team that, you know, halfway through the season that has a playoff spot and they'll just fall down and lose most of the rest of their games and they'll probably end up in a, in a mid to late lottery spot, even though they're a, a team that would, were it to play a full season, would probably end up with a top five pick and yeah
0: it's funny how they've just all of a sudden become the tanking team
1: yeah it's i, I, I never also, saw it coming
0: it, well and uh, you know what else i see i see doc rivers going bye-bye because look what happened when when uh his celtics team got dismantled he went and jumped ship and went to la and he's been there ever since same situation's gonna happen he's not gonna be coaching in la next year no way
1: yeah, that's something I hadn't thought of, but I, I definitely think you're right. Uh, I think that is the most likely possibility.
0: I'm kind of so, surprised he's still coaching there anyways. But
1: <laughs> Yeah, he's he's kind of been that, that, that he's a good coach, but not good enough. He, he's kind of in that, that middle tier where he's not going to run your team into the ground, at least usually not, but he's never going to get you anywhere. Yeah,
0: not unless he has a nucleus of superstars.
1: Except he had a nucleus of. I mean, I always thought that the Clippers were built wrong to win a championship because I have this working theory that you can't win a championship if your best player, like far and away your best player, is a point guard or a true big, and that's all the Clippers were was a superstar point guard and a couple of one like a superstar power forward and a star center so i i felt like their model was just doomed to begin with
0: well yeah and it's a bunch of hotheads on the same team i mean blake griffin may be a hothead deandre jordan may be a hothead but the one that takes the cake is chris paul that dude i've never seen anybody complain and that's even more than uh demarcus cousins well,
1: they're just a bunch of fake tough guys that was my biggest problem and, and i guess Chris Paul's not so much of a fake tough guy as like you said, he's a hothead and a complainer. But I could never stand Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. They were like the kind of you know, hold me back, hold me back. Is you know, he was gonna go try and uh, beat somebody up or whatever.
0: Yeah, their their bark is worse than their bite.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I guess with the Jazz, like so, I guess we can kind of maybe try and pretend we're. Uh, jazz management do you think that the jazz should make a playoff push if if that means maybe retaining one or two guys like the jazz are potentially looking to trade I guess the biggest pieces um, are Derek Favors, Rodney Hood, Ricky Rubio I mean there's been reports that the jazz are just kind of like an open market like come and find what you want and take it the only guys you can't take are Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and there would probably be a f- relatively high asking price with Dante Exum although he's He's probably still available because he's he's not as valuable as I think he is because I just have a I have an irrational uh, attachment to Don uh, to Dante Exum, but just like should the Jazz make a playoff push? I like, guess is the is the real question.
0: Well, I'm gonna come back to I I think it was either last episode or the episode before that where. I still, I do think that it is a a situation in which the Jazz should definitely pursue a playoff push. One, you're giving um, Donovan Mitchell experience that most rookies don't get to experience. Um, couple that with the immense growth he's done just this season. You give him playoff run, he will be. Even better next year. I mean, he's he's going to be good next year regardless, but he would be even better knowing that he's played in the playoffs and he's tasted that. He's going to want more of that. Rudy Gobert, he wants to get to the playoffs again. Whether or not he has a realistic idea of what is going to happen in the playoffs is beyond me. I don't know that, but Rudy Gobert is a competitor. He wants to win. That's his main goal. Um, you also have uh Coin Snyder who is not ever going to tell these guys not to play hard, not to execute, not to make plays, you name it. Um I still feel like that is a viable option for the Jazz especially now that the Clippers are f- hitting full reset. Um Portland I think is a safe bet that they're going to be in the playoffs. Denver, I'm still a little wary on because they still have that youth movement that kind of the Sacramento Kings are going with. Is they're relying heavily on their youth, um, and that can be hit or miss for them. Um, you think about it, there Denver's road record is seven and 17. Where the Jazz are no longer the worst road team in the NBA, which is weird. But we're seven and 19 now on the road. We've we've proven on this last road trip that we can win road games that we had a winning record this last road trip, which uh, I, we could save it for another time, but I saw flashes of what this team really could be. But the other thing is, is um, what you to go off of what you said is, you know, Rodney's on the table. Derek favors is on the table. Um, Dante XM could be a playing piece um, with you. I, I, I mean, Dante Exum's contract expires, is it this year or next season?
1: I believe he's a restricted free agent this offseason.
0: Okay, so he's a restricted free agent, which means that the Jazz can counter anything. The Jazz are going to keep him. I really, truly believe that. They want, they, they saw the, they see something in him that not a lot of people around the NBA, even Jazz fans, notice. And I am not of one of those people. Dante Exum will be very good given the time he's very injury prone. Obviously his track record is not so great, but I think Dante XM and Donovan Mitchell, and we talked about that in episodes previous that um, those two have a chemistry from the summer league that, you know, you need to play with, you need to see that part out. Um, And before the trade talks, before, Blake Griffin was traded to Pistons and the Clippers got Avery Bradley. I saw that Avery Bradley was up on the trading block. I was like, oh, get rid of get rid of Rodney and bring Avery Bradley in. But that's gone now.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that does throw out at least obviously one of the deals with Rodney Hood. And I'm pretty sure that Rodney Hood will probably end up somewhere else. Um, unless, I, really, I think the only... Thing keeping the Jazz from getting rid of Derek Favors and Rodney Hood is working out a viable deal, and I I don't know because I kind of agree with you that I'd like to see the Jazz make the playoffs. I would love to see the Jazz in the playoffs for like all the reasons you stated. And like we said, we talked about this in previous episodes, the value of playoff experience and obviously building a winning culture even if we get swept by the Warriors in the first round, there's still some value in that, and you're not losing that much um, in terms of where your draft pick is going to be because we're not going to win the lottery at 12 or 13 or wherever we'd end up being. But it it does make trading because I still would like to see us get something from Derek Favors and maybe from Rodney Hood because it seems unlikely to me that Derek Favors is going to re-sign. There's reports saying that he's not going to re-sign. Although Derek Favors has uh, refuted some of those, although he only refuted that he wasn't 100 percent going to re-sign, or if that made sense.
0: Right. Um, well, and to sorry to interrupt, but I still feel like Favors loves it here, and I really feel like he would re-sign here. But the problem is, is the NBA is a business. Um, also, if there's a you know the chemistry, the way it's working between he and Ruby. Or Rudy, sorry, um, the you know it, it's not working out so well. I will say, however, the past two games, those two have been brilliant.
1: <laughs> yeah, there has been some improved chemistry. I know, like a couple of the first couple games back, we posted like 120, 115 points or something like that. Two really good offensively efficient games where they started next to each other. But I do think something I've noticed: I think they're not spending a whole lot of time on the floor together.
0: No, really? no, they they were spending more time opposite each other where one or the other was on the bench and the other was on the floor. And it worked out great, but even when they were on the floor together, they were spacing. It was like the first time all season long that we saw them actually spacing out for each other, giving each other the moment to do what they are supposed to do. It was awesome.
1: Yeah, and, and that is a frustrating thing because just, the more the season goes along, the more I see out of Derek Favors. And I watch him, and I just, I'm so impressed by what he's doing. I love everything about him. And it's just, and like you said, it's a business. And it, it's, I love Derek Favors to death. I, he, for years, he was the only player that I had a jersey of. And I've supported Derek Favors the moment he got to Utah. And like saying that we should, we definitely need to get rid of Favors, that hurts me. It hurts me personally. Because I love Derek Favors so much, I just You're I love Rudy around. Gobert just as much. And I know I have a Rudy Gobert jersey, so I don't know. Maybe I'm cheating on Derek Favors, but it's just no, that. Pff, please. <laughs> but it's it's just a very difficult situation with Derek Favors. There's oh, nothing absolutely. simple about it. And that, that's the main reason I think Derek Favors may not get traded is just because of how complicated it is, Uh, even if we don't even include his relationship with Utah. All the different things surrounding his contract, his skill level, the market for, I guess, centers in the league among teams who would be buying. There's just so much with Derek Favors that, yeah, he's a talented player that in a vacuum, sure, he's worth a middle of the first round pick at this point, maybe higher depending on, well, I don't know about higher, but He's a starting caliber center, which is worth a first round pick. And you'd think contenders would want him, but again, we don't do trades in a vacuum. So it's. No,
0: we don't. I mean, Derek Favors would be valuable to anybody. Um, and we, as Jazz fans, would hate to see him go. But at the same time, you have to be happy for him because he is an integral piece to any team he goes to. He is good in the paint. He's a great offensive rebounder. Um, he's a great facilitator. I mean, he's, his passing is underrated still, and I don't understand it. Well, I do understand it because the likes of ESPN and the major sports media outlets don't give the Jazz the love they deserve.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I just – Derek Rivers is the kind of guy that if we were to trade him, out, instantly – Become a you know kind of a partial fan of whatever team he goes to, unless it's like the Warriors or just some of the team I automatically hate for some reason.
0: I, <laughs> but I you know yeah. I can't hate the Warriors. Main reason why is Steve Kerr. I love that guy. Steve Kerr is awesome.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't have a beef with, beef with Steve Kerr. I just I don't like. I I still have a grudge against them for when they tanked and stole our draft pick. I don't like Steph Curry's attitude. Draymond Green's a dirty player. I don't like Kevin Durant because of what he did. I don't mind Clay; he's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> I do like he's like, he's like the like,
0: quiet assassin of that team.
1: Yeah, basically. I mean, I'm kind of annoyed that he's really good. Like, it's usually when he's playing the Jazz that I get annoyed at him because he'll sink all those shots, and but then after the game, I I'm fine. But yeah, I, I don't like the Warriors for a bunch of different reasons, and I guess it's just to each his own. Um, And obviously when a team wins a lot, then I don't like them unless they're the the new England Patriots. Then I don't mind so much.
0: Don't you dare bring that up.
1: (laughs) Super Bowl week. All right, moving on.
0: Go Eagles. Go Eagles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's an Eagles fan, but anyway, we'll, we'll try and stay on topic. I won't indulge myself. Although probably next time I'll be super depressed. <laughs> yeah, that'll be an interesting episode. Next week, after, so we'll be recording a few hours after the Super Bowl, most likely.
0: Oh, you'll be all—you, you might be depressed, or you'll be sitting on a high.
1: Last year, I was essentially high. That's probably the best way to describe. I've never a been lot on lot actual high, but uh, that's about as close as I was ever gonna get. <laughs> Unless something really weird happens in my future. But Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, so I guess we, when we talk about Derek Favors, I guess the, I get the feeling that you know, we haven't heard anything from about Nikola Mirotic. So I get the feeling that that's probably not going to happen. I think that the Jazz kind of hung up the phone in a sense with the first-round draft pick. They're not willing to give that up at all because they want to hold on to that. And so I think that that deal with the Bulls has probably gone by the wayside unless the Bulls at the last minute decide or you know, in this next couple of weeks decide they'll go down to maybe a couple of first or a couple of second-round picks or something like that. So I'm not entirely sure who the Jazz would trade Derek Favors to. The only teams I can think of are the Cavaliers, and maybe they could be involved in a... Multiple team deal, like a three team deal with the Clippers, where Derek Favors ends up on the Clippers is kind of a DeAndre Jordan replacement, and then DeAndre Gort- DeAndre Gordon, DeAndre Jordan ends up on a team. Maybe it's the Cavaliers, maybe it's the Bucks, one of those teams that's rumored to be looking to trade for DeAndre Jordan. That's really the only scenarios I see Derek Favors ending up leaving the Jazz, which, which is interesting considering how much he's been rumored to be traded for like the last three years.
0: Yeah, but who really needs a one-dimensional center that can only do nothing but dunk and protect the rim? I mean, obviously, there's still, you know, there's, there's teams that could use that. But, I mean, if you're getting a center, you need someone who is more than just your set pick, roll to the basket, catch a lob, and put it down into the hoop type of guy.
1: Well, I think with the Cavaliers that it fits pretty well with what they want. They don't need another guy who's going to take up a lot of touches. I mean, Derek Favors probably wouldn't, but I I do think DeAndre Jordan would fit with the Cavaliers, and he is a good defender, rim protector, rebounder. Obviously, nothing much in the way of offense, other than like you said, dunks.
0: Um, right, but the Cavaliers need really anything at this point. They're they have been atrocious.
1: Yeah, which is why I think that Derek Favors could end up on the Cavaliers if they think the asking price is much too high for DeAndre Jordan, which it probably would be. The Clippers might be asking a lot for DeAndre Jordan. And, I mean, I guess another one, maybe the Bucks again, they're, they might be looking for a center. They're rumored to be looking for looking at DeAndre Jordan. At least I'm pretty sure I've seen that. And, you know, Derek Favors is kind of that – the NBA probably looks at Derek Favors as kind of a step down from DeAndre Jordan, but I I do think that he would be a good center, and I think maybe the Jazz could possibly pry away Jabari Parker. I'd be I I don't know. I I think I like Jabari Parker better than you do. Um,
0: yeah, I, I'm not I, I'm not sold on Jabari.
1: Yeah, I I kind of I'm willing to look past that uh, injury thing, which again it could just that I could be very well wrong on that part. Um, he, because he could, he's proven to be really injury prone. Because he's torn his ACL twice. Um, but I, I think it would be a really good scheme fit for the Jazz, or at least a good fit overall. So it depends. And Jabari's coming back Friday. He'll be back within the week.
0: Yeah. For how long?
1: <laughs> that's that's a good point. That's a definitely a good point. <laughs> it could be a week. It could be seven years. We don't know. But he's a a 20-points-per-game guy when healthy, which nobody on the Jazz is doing that right now. Donovan Mitchell kind of is. Over the last two months, he's averaging like 22 points. But I – like I said, that's that's the Derek Favors situation. I'm – if I had to give a percentage, a percentage chance that Derek Favors is gone, I would probably say like 35%. And that might be a little high. I just don't think... Bef-
0: before the season ends or before the trade, uh, before the trade deadline?
1: Before the trade deadline because, I mean, that's the only time he's going to leave. Like, after the season, I would say that's like an 80% chance he's gone just based on the way things like. I think Derek Favors has just fallen out of favor in terms of the fit. Obviously, everyone still loves him, and he works hard. Nobody dislikes Derek Favors, but I think just business-wise and fit-wise... The Jazz will part with him at the end of the season. I just don't know if they can find a trade partner before the trade deadline who's willing to give the Jazz what they want um, without forcing the Jazz to maybe take on a bad contract or you know, give up picks or something, kind of like what the Bulls are wanting.
0: Right. I was just going to say, yeah, like the Bulls are asking for a first-round pick and a player. I don't – I yeah, I don't see the Jazz pulling the trigger on that because if anything – um, Dennis Lindsey, like the reason he's been, the things have been so quiet on our front is he's obviously sitting on this because he's looking to the future. He's not looking for an immediate thing where he gives away a first round draft pick, because even if we get, you know, a pretty decent uh, draft pick in the first round come the postseason, it, it, if anything, he might end up being just another trading piece. Whoever yeah,
1: it we, is. Yeah, we could end up... Yeah, Some of the draft picks may end up with just more trading stuff. Trading stuff. Interesting phrase. Yes. Yeah, uh,
0: so go ahead. Well, I was going to say, um, th- this is a wet dream, but Kevin Durant hasn't signed a um, contract extension with the Warriors, and he will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of next year. Making you know, he's making $26.5 like, next year, $25 million this year. Um, But that's another thing. Like I said, wet dream. Do the Warriors even let him go at that point?
1: Well, he signed like a one-year contract or something like that when he first signed with them. It was like maybe a two-year contract with a player option year. or something to that effect.
0: Yeah.
1: I think that's just the way superstars are signing nowadays, like the true superstars like LeBron James and kind of Kevin Durant's Pretty much on that level. the the, the lower superstars they'll sign for, I say lower superstars, the kind of the John Wallace Steph Curry's whatnot, they'll sign these mega deals where they get the 200 plus million. But the superstars who want options, you know, the, the LeBron James Kevin Durant and um, they're signing the one year two year deals, player options whatnot, that that give them the flexibility to go places. If they feel that, you know, things just don't work out. So I I don't think, you know, as long as Golden State can afford to pay all their players, none of them are leaving. The moment that that Draymond Green wants more money and it becomes too much or Klay Thompson, one of those guys is leaving.
0: Yeah, well, that was actually the next on my list. Klay Thompson is an unrestricted free agent at the same time. Um, his or his cumulative worth is thirty six point seven million for the next two years. So next year he's making eighteen point nine million dollars, roughly. Um, like you said, th- that's an expensive team, really expensive team. I like you said, I don't see that team staying intact. At least one or two of those players are leaving.
1: So you say he's I would becoming love to un- get Clay Thompson. You're saying he's an unrestricted free agent in like 2020? 2019.
0: 2019.
1: So that is, I think, a possibility. Um, I don't know when Draymond is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Um, I'd have to look that up because, yeah, I mean. Uh, cause, yeah, I think if the, I would love to have Clay Thompson on this team, I think he would be a a really good player you'd probably stick him at the at the three. I mean um, you if we were to get him you'd have Dante, Donovan and and Clay. again, like I said, it's probably a wet dream, but you never know. Yeah, um I don't know if we'd actually be able to attract Clay here. That'd be the biggest issue.
0: I don't know, man. he doesn't seem he doesn't come off as that guy that are like your Steph Curry's your Draymond Greens, your Kevin Durant's He doesn't come off as that type of guy that chases, um, recognition. He just, he comes off as a guy who just wants to play. He just wants to play ball and win, win some games. I mean, yeah, he's, he's won a few championships, so he, he wants nothing less than to win a championship, but he could be a really good piece for the Utah jazz to pursue.
1: So the biggest thing at that point would just be the jazz would need to have built a solid team, which I don't know if they can do that by the end of next year. I guess if the core of, again, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and Dante Exum, or maybe some other piece, depending on what happens, if that's impressive enough, then maybe. We'll see. Again, I think that would be the biggest drawing piece, because I think in today's NBA, if you can build a contender, then I think that is the number one attractor of free agents because Oklahoma City managed to pull in Carmelo Anthony. I know it was via trade, but Melo had to sign off on it. And so they got Carmelo Anthony, who spent the last however many years in New York, to go to Oklahoma City. So,
0: I, I guess Let's if... See, he, I'm looking it up now. You know, he probably had to go in. Oh, no, he did not go in on a budget. He's a twenty six point two million this year twenty seven point nine next year mellow yeah
1: yeah he yeah he had the two years left on his deal with the trade it was paul george yeah. he's the guy on an expiring deal uh, he'll be an unrestricted free agent this offseason.
0: that'd be another great piece <laughs> he wants to go to l a now oh, he better go to the l a team i don't hate uh
1: which one is that
0: uh, the Clippers.
1: The Clippers. <laughs> Nobody
0: know. likes the Lakers. Even the Lakers fans don't like the Lakers. Are you kidding me?
1: One of my roommates is a Laker fan, so.
0: Oh well, his boyfriend's gone, so.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just wow.
0: <laughs> I actually like. I do. I do a fantasy league with some people, and someone picked up Kobe Bryant in a trade. and I was like. You do know he's been retired for two years, right? Or like, oh, you can't have a co- team, a complete team without Kobe. I was like, again, retired, but whatever. And then two days later, he tr- tries to trade, it, uh, tries to request a trade with Kobe Bryant in that trade. I'm like, you're an idiot. No.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I'm scoring as many points as Kobe Bryant in fantasy basketball right now. There you go. So I also. Uh, another interesting fact: um, I have one less head coaching win than uh, Hugh Jackson in the last two years. So, really? I'm doing pretty good. There you go. One less head
0: coaching win. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about this trade stuff, man. It, it's just—it's so—it's just shrouded in this mystery, and especially like. When I talked about Joe Johnson trying to get rid of him to give him like the good graces of, Hey, we're going to put you on a competitive team. They're going to go for the championship, whether we trade him or not. He's not, he's going to be gone by the the end of the year anyways. So this is his last year with the jazz. And I'm pretty sure he's not going to resign with us or with probably anybody, you know, unless he feels like he can still make it another one to two years. He's, 36 years old and so he's he's up there
1: well the thing is that joe johnson has trade value because he's an expiring contract of nine million dollars and that's an asset that's something we can use yeah and so i think i don't know if he might end up on a contender and i would feel kind of bad to just trade joe johnson to some sucky team that's trying to clear cap space but you know i think that the jazz could use him as a piece like, if they were to trade Rodney Hood, they might use Joe Johnson to help match cap space or whatever because Rodney's only on, like, a $2.5 million contract. So they might need a, a piece like Joe Johnson to help fill salary. So I I don't know if the Jazz will end up trading Joe because he'll likely be part of uh, a different trade where either Favors, Rodney, or Ricky are, like, the headlining piece or maybe they'll just trade joe for a, a second round pick or something maybe a couple of second round picks or something to that effect i don't know like yeah, like you said I don't know either trades are just are just tricky but i mean i guess another thing is with the potential for the jazz to make the playoffs I'm wondering if they're also reconsidering trading Rodney Hood. We know that the, I guess, I don't—I shouldn't say we know, but theorizing the main obstacle between trading Derek Favors is just the whole complex situation that we've discussed at length. With Rodney, there's a market for him. And if the Jazz wanted to trade Rodney, they could get something for him. I firmly believe they could get a first-round pick or maybe some sort of young player or asset in return. I think the main thing is going to be, do the Jazz want to retain Rodney Hood, You know, keep him as you know, kind of a six-man, basically what we wanted Alec Burks to be, but he never made it because he kept getting injured and whatever, or do the Jazz try and get value from Rodney Hood and try and find a different piece that maybe they feel fits better with the offensive scheme because Rodney doesn't quite fit with the scheme. He's a bit more of a chucker. Than I think Quinn would like, whereas his system values a lot more passing and ball movement, and obviously Rodney's kind of a ball stopper.
0: Well, he plays he his style is the same as Joe Johnson's, just when he was younger.
1: Yeah, that's another thing with Joe is whenever I watch him, he he definitely clashes with the style because the ball doesn't leave his hands ever, unless it's headed towards the basket, which he's actually been a lot better at. So far, I actually trust his jump shot in the last few games, whereas before I always expected it to brick. And now it's actually going yeah. in, which which feels really nice.
0: Yeah, it is. And I think that was just him getting back into the groove of things. I mean, he did have a wrist injury on his shooting hand. You don't recover very quickly from that, so.
1: Yes, it, it, so it just depends with Ronnie because, again, I guess the one trading partner I think that, There'd been some interest. Rodney Hood was drawing interest from the Pistons. Obviously the main the main thrust of that deal from uh forgive my roommates in the background. They're going nuts. Um I guess with the main thrust with the Pistons was they would maybe send Avery Bradley, but now that's out of the picture. Like you said earlier. I still think there's plenty of teams that could try and go for Rodney Hood it's just going to depend on you know what the jazz are asking for they're probably going to be asking for a first round pick that's probably going to be the the starting point
0: yeah but is rodney uh does he want that yeah. kind of um value
1: does rodney want it or dennis
0: well does like in, in a direct trade would rodney does rodney hood um, reflect a first-round draft pick?
1: Well, I think so. I mean, he's he's a late first-round draft pick who has, who has become a 17-point... I think... I forget what he's averaging this year, like 16 points per game. He's a wing scorer, which has value. And for a contender who's buying at the deadline, the value has become inflated. And so I think the Jazz could demand a first-round pick out of... Again, it would have to be a contender. You know, if if you're the... Some lower level playoff team, or especially lottery team, know he's not going to be a first round pick. It would have to be a heavily protected one. But I think just considering the market like we talk about Derek favors, there isn't so much of a market for Derek favors, so trades are a lot less likely, but there is a market for the kind of player that Rodney Hood is, and so that inflates his value That's why I think the jazz could definitely get a first round pick, but I guess. I don't know if you're asking the, the opposite. Am misunderstand yeah, I misunderstanding? Yeah,
0: I don't know. I mean, Rick, you're right. He is, a, he is a really good piece to any team, and I, and I still maintain that he is a good piece for us. Um, unfortunately, he was put into the lineup to kind of alleviate the, the stresses and the pressure that Gordon Hayward would face, and now that you know he's been gone for a while, um, he's been coming off the bench ever, you know, and has been producing better as a bench player than he was a starter because now when he comes off the bench, he's that he's the go-to guy and he knows that. But he also, like his skill set, I mean yeah, he may be an isolation player and he wants the ball to be exclusively in his hands for those purposes. The dude is 6, eight and is listed as a two guard. Not many other people in the league, especially at the two-guard position, are of that height and have the elevation that he does.
1: Yeah, and and I'd be fine keeping Rodney Hood. Um, it's not like the way it is with Favors where he's – where Favors creates a, a system problem and a spacing problem. Rodney Hood in a way fixes the spacing problem and or helps to fix the spacing problem or alleviates it. Um the biggest thing with Rodney is he doesn't add anything other than scoring which severely handicaps his potential with the Jazz.
0: For sure, yeah, he's he's not very well known for his defense. That's very true. But you know, it's it's one of those things where You know, if we get another piece around him that can help space things out for not just Rudy, but for him as well, he could flourish, you know, like maybe we do get Miritich with for favors in a first round draft pick. Maybe, maybe Dennis Lindsay sucks it up and is just like, all right, well, let's pull the trigger on this and we get that immediate gratification of a stretch four, and. I really think that with that stretch four, it takes less pressure off of Rodney and opens up that paint for him too. Because Rodney's really good when he goes inside.
1: Yeah, and I think that would definitely help his efficiency as a scorer because that's the main problem he's had on offense is just not been efficient. Um, so I, I do think that, it, like you said, if we get him in the right situation, Rodney can be a piece going forward. I guess it just depends on what the front office thinks and what they're planning in terms of who they plan on bringing in in the future. Maybe they're scouting out players in college. Maybe they're looking at different wings they can try and get. I I don't know off the top of my head which twos and threes are going to be in Utah's range, kind of that 12 to 16 range or whereabouts the Jazz might end up, maybe 10 to 16. Um so
0: Evan Fournier's in that range.
1: The Orlando guy?
0: Yep. He's making seventeen million each year until twenty twenty one. And that is exactly well not lengthwise, but that is exactly what Rodney Hood is getting paid.
1: Yeah, that 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 is what he would he's about to get paid. Yeah, 'cause he'll be yeah he'll be getting his restricted free agent con- contract. And I think I remember hearing something that I guess the Jazz might be worried that somebody's going to offer Rodney Hood a big deal, like a you know, something way more than he's worth to try and pry him out of Utah, which I guess at that point that you know, the Jazz would end up losing a good piece for for nothing. But I guess you can only you can only guess with that. So this is where I just love to talk to, to Dennis Lindsay about just you know, maybe just sitting in his office without any recorders or anything, just have a candid talk about what they'd like to see with Rodney Hood because, I mean, most of me thinks that Rodney Hood is gone but I also, I mean, I see your position where Rodney Hood is very much a piece that the Jazz can use and I think he takes a lot of flack from fans. But has potential. I don't
0: know. It's just. I don't <laughs> know. I because, mean, you know, at the end of the day, the Jazz didn't extend his contract for a reason. They didn't extend his contract because they wanted to see what he could do in his contract here. Um, in some ways, he's disappointed. In other ways, he's exceeded those expectations. So it's really like, what does the front office see moving forward?
1: And I think, uh, unfortunately, we aren't going to be able to see this before the trade deadline, but I think having Dante Exum come back can really reveal a lot about the future of Rodney Hood. Because I know Dante Exum might end up being kind of a point guard or a two guard, but he's going to be taking up a lot of those wing minutes that Rodney Hood might be getting. Because I think it was Quinn Snyder uh, doesn't really see Dante Exum as a point guard. He sees him more as a wing. And you can kind of see that cuz the the guy is 6-6 with a 6-9 wingspan. So he might yeah. be well, the, he, he might be the replacement for Rodney Hood. Not necessarily system-wise or in terms of what they do, but kind of just the guy who replaces Rodney Hood on the roster, so to speak. Or at least the minutes.
0: Yeah, no, and that makes sense. I mean, uh um donovan i i really see i really see a point guard in him i don't see a two guard he's more of a scoring guard sure but the dude can pass and he's shown brilliance on getting uh passes on the pick and roll to rudy um to favors i mean it's it's just weird i mean you keep you keep rudy gobert or not rudy oh my gosh uh ricky rubio does he then become the the relief point guard, does he come off the bench behind Dol- Donovan at that point?
1: Well, I'd, I'd like
0: to see that.
1: I'd like to see Ricky coming off the bench. Unfortunately, I just don't think it's going to happen because of, he's just that kind of name recognition, that kind of guy who's just not going to come off the bench just because, um, mm-hmm. I mean, if anybody had had the balls to sit Ricky Rubio and start, uh, Dante XM and Donovan Mitchell, it would probably be Quinn Snyder. That or maybe Greg Popovich. But I don't think it'll happen this year. And that's another thing. I've begun to hear or see trade rumors surrounding Ricky Rubio. And he's the kind of guy that I was like, There's no way we're moving this guy. Because we'd basically have to give up stuff to get rid of Ricky Rubio because of how bad he's been in our in Utah. You know, that'll lower his trade value. I don't know who on earth would be trading for Ricky Rubio, but I I saw an article on no, what was it? Hoops Hyper or something like that where they had these three potential trade deals, all of which were fine by me because the Jazz got something good out of it. Like with the New York Knicks, the Pacers, I want to say the Bulls were involved in one somehow. But that's a guy that I think would kind of be gravy where if we were able to find Ricky Rubio a new home, I mean, I, I love Ricky Rubio. I've always had a soft spot for him. I've always liked that he was a pass-first point guard. And, I mean, he's obviously a great person. You've seen all the stuff he's done off the court. But I think just system-wise, he needs he's not going to fit with the Jazz long term, and if the Jazz were able to trade him and make room, for Donovan Mitchell to start at the point guard and if Dante Exum were to come back after the All-Star break and really begin to show you know, that he can be a part of this team and be a part of a backcourt with Mitchell then that would be great but I don't know if the Jazz can get rid of Ricky Rubio
0: I think they, they could get rid of him but yeah like he said I don't know who they could really grab the interest from I mean I was even looking at Isaiah Thomas's uh, contract. He's making 6.2 million this year, the unrestricted free agent, has not received any talks about a contract extension with Cleveland, and it's not working out there. But if you t- if say hypothetically we get Isaiah Thomas for Ricky Rubio, then what does Ricky Rubio do on a Cleveland roster? You already have LeBron James as your point guard.
1: Yeah, just any anywhere he goes, he doesn't fit because he's just a point guard with a handicap. He's got, like, all the skills you want in a point guard except the one that matters most in this era of the NBA, and that's shooting. And He's shown flashes. Earlier this season, he showed flashes of being able to shoot three. He does make them every now and again, but he's he's not reliable enough. But
0: he's right. such a great pastor. That's just he's... part for the course, unfortunately, for him. Yeah. But in the last two games on this road trip, he was really good.
1: Yeah, like I said, he'll he'll show flashes, and he'll have the games where he goes three of four from three, and you're like, "Well, where did that come from?" But then the next game, he'll yeah. go zero of five, and it's just that doesn't work in today's NBA. You know, Steph Curry will occasionally go one of six, but then the next five games in a row, he'll go four of seven and right it's just fine and, and he's got the reputation where you have to follow him around and that and that opens up things for the warriors on offense they use steph curry as a decoy and clay and all these other guys and it opens up their offense whereas rubio you know maybe every once in a while he can exploit that You know, if, if he's hot he can exploit that defense but then the next nine games the defense has the advantage because the Jazz can't open things up on offense because nobody's following Ricky Rubio around. And, and again, that...
0: Right, but you could you could still use him as a decoy because um, even in the game against Toronto, the, uh, Dwayne Casey was telling them on that last play, sag off Rubio, they went and doubled Mitchell, and Mitchell made the right play, gave it to him, and Rubio made him pay for it. Well, that's assuming
1: that's assuming Rubio makes him pay. That's the problem is that he doesn't always. There's a reason they sag (laughs) off him is that, you know, seven times out of ten, he's not making him pay.
0: Right. No, that that's that's very true. But yeah, I I mean, I don't know. I I would even I would love to see Isaiah Thomas play here because he may not. He's never been known as a a an elite passer. He's he's your scoring guard. He's a tiny, tiny little man that can score the ball over the tallest of people. It's ridiculous. So if he comes into the Quinn Snyder system, all he has to worry about is moving the ball around and taking the best shot possible.
1: Yeah, I, I worry again, cause I, I mentioned earlier, I don't like our best player being a, a point guard, especially a five foot nine point guard who won't carry his team in the playoffs. Well, so, I mean,
0: would he really be the best player next to Rudy Gobert? He's he's the most important piece on that on that team. He's yeah. our best player.
1: But again, I, I think the Jazz need a wing score. That's why I'm I like Donovan Mitchell so much. Is he's, I mean, I, you can see him as a point guard. I think he works well as a wing score. I think he can be the kind of guy who can be the best player on the Jazz. And I don't know. I just. I'm hesitant about Isaiah Thomas. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to him because obviously he's going to bring scoring, but he's also like a 30-year-old with a bad hip and potentially – I don't know if he's developing a bad attitude or maybe he's just revealing a bit of a bad attitude or maybe he's just upset because Cleveland's a dumpster fire.
0: You know, it's it's funny. It's like a direct correlation between what happened between Kyrie Irving and LeBron James. It was it was tumultuous. It was not the best of relationships. They won a championship together, sure, but now that Kyrie Irving has left Cleveland, he's less of a crybaby. It's it's weird. Like it, it's the same thing in life. If you, if the more you hang out with someone, the more you tend to emulate that person, or um, you take on the characteristics and the mannerisms of that person. I feel like that's that's just how it is when you're on a LeBron James-led team. You kind of pick up on his prima donna BS.
1: Yeah, and I I could see that with Isaiah Thomas because he seemed like a pretty good guy in in Boston.
0: Um, Well, and even going back to Sacramento, unfortunately he took the job from Jimmer Fredette, but (laughs) that's another story entirely.
1: No, Jimmer Fredette. You know, they're kind of the same player, to be honest. Small guy, don't pass, shoot a lot, score a lot. Isaiah can just do it in yeah. the NBA. Jimmer doesn't in China.
0: Oh, yeah, but I don't know. You know, now that I think about it, I, I I really think that Ricky Rubio is going to he's going to be here till next season. I really i I think that that is the most logical way of looking at this because at the end of the day. Whether or not he can score, if they get the right pieces, that's irrelevant at that point. Because Ricky Rubio provides pace, he is a great defender, and he does the little things that don't show up, show up on the stat sheet. He pushes the ball, he gets into passing lanes, he gets up in people. I, 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 I I'm willing to bet that Steph Curry, he may get up to 30 points on Tuesday, but Ricky Rubio will make him work for every single point that he puts up.
1: I would hope so. Although I'd like to see Donovan Mitchell step up to the challenge of going up against uh, Steph Curry, because I'd like to see where Donovan Mitchell can become. What well, he can become defensively, but like I said, it's just going to depend on what Quinn Snyder wants defensively. I think either Mitchell or Rubio may end up on uh, Steph Curry, probably more. Oh, Rubio well, it's inevitable. Is. They
0: run. They run screens left and right to get the to get the mismatches.
1: Yeah, and and they get them really easily yeah but anyway we're we're running a bit long um but i guess that's it like i guess the the consensus is the jazz may be hesitating to trade with a potential playoff push and there just may be too many obstacles i think this the feeling is that the jazz are definitely going to make a trade but trades don't just happen obviously there's a lot that could happen between now and the trade deadline. But honestly, I just get the feeling that the jazz aren't going to do anything, even though I'd kind of like them to do something. I just get the feeling that nothing is going to happen.
0: Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I, yeah, I don't see it happening. The jazz are usually quiet around this time. Anyways, the fact that we got the stories that we did was surprising to say the least, but, Yeah, I'm not convinced that the Jazz make any moves.
1: So that'll do it for this edition of Hashtag Jazz again. My name is Jason Walker.
0: And I'm Trey Sanders.
1: And thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful week, and whatnot, and whatnot, and whatnot. Bye. Also,
0: Jazz debut the Utah City jerseys.
1: I'm gonna have Tomorrow. to watch that. I'm, I'm probably I'm probably most excited to see the court.
0: It, the court's sweet, man. Yeah, it I love looks the court. cool
1: more than the jerseys. Yeah. But, anyway, we'll talk to you all next week.